Hey everybody, it's Mitzvah of America, Washington, Shri Sani, and you're listening to Live After the Crown by Tim Tialdo. Hey everybody, my name is Tim Tialdo, and welcome to Season 2 of the Life After the Crown podcast. Now, if you haven't had a chance to listen to any of the previous episodes, I do encourage you to go back and listen, because there are many valuable interviews that you will definitely gain some wisdom from. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in for the first time, welcome and thanks for checking us out. Each episode of Life After the Crown, I interview former pageant contestants, title holders, and women of influence who share advice and stories on how to help you succeed in the world of pageants, but more importantly, how you can flourish in the professional world once your pageant journey comes to an end. As always, I appreciate you taking the time to download this podcast. I do value your time, and I'm glad you're here listening. So let's get started. My guest today is the reigning Miss World America Washington. She's a global speaker, a Yale-trained actress, Harvard and Stanford visiting student, and a survivor. At age 12, she had a heart block and received a pacemaker and was told she would never dance again. However, she overcame her heart challenges and was selected at the world-famous Joffrey Ballet. A few years ago, she was in a near-fatal car accident that led to her suffering facial burns, but she continued to rise up from challenges and focus her energy on what she can do to make a difference. She has given hundreds of empowerment talks in over 80 cities, 15 states, and six countries about choosing kindness, resilience, and service. She is a spokeswoman for the American Heart Association, and she wants to dedicate her life to service and use the power of pageantry to inspire people to rise up from their adversities and choose kindness. Shri Saini, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much. I am truly honored and I'm so inspired by you creating this community um, through your podcast. So thank you for having me. Oh, well, it's my pleasure. And I got to say, I'm inspired by you just uh, reading that little bio there. I mean, you're doing so much to to help people, you know, based upon some of the adversities you've gone through. Uh, But let's just talk about your pageant journey here. I know you're currently Miss World America Washington, but uh, one of your previous pageants that kind of helped you get into things, uh, you were Miss, uh, Mm -hmm. Miss India USA, I think it was 2017, correct? Yes, sir. How did you get into pageants? I know you immigrated to Washington, I think, when you were uh, maybe seven years old or so. And, you know, you went through some, I think, some bullying spells in school for the color of your skin. And, you know, you've had some challenges that you've dealt with along the way. Where did pageantry come along in that journey? So it actually came along um, when I was about three or five. It was a dream of mine. I remember watching the Miss World pageant on TV. So it was a dream in my heart since I was in preschool and I even remember telling my preschool teacher and she asked me Shri what do you want to do when you grow up and I told her I wanted to be Miss World so later on in life when I did win my first big international pageant Miss India USA that same preschool teacher found me on Facebook messaged me and said Shri I remember you telling me that and I had forgotten about that experience you know I I don't we don't remember what we say when we're in preschool but she remembered that and I I remember always wanting to do Miss World, um, but I I did grow up in a very small town in Washington, Caldwell, Washington. Before that, we were in Connecticut. So my family has actually been in the U.S. since I was about five-ish. I don't really remember exactly what age. Um, So, yes, I I was oftentimes the only Indian kid at school. Um, So some other kids just, um, you know, found that to be different and unique and sadly choose to bully me. But I always 
gave, you know, responded with kindness. Um, and I just gave them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they just don't understand. Um, so I just choose to love on them even more. As you went through that experience, um, was there a point where it kind of, uh, I guess, ended a little bit and, you know, things normalized for you? I mean, did you deal with it for quite a few years or was it just those few years uh, when you were first in school in Washington? I mean, you can probably say this. You have probably seen adult bullies. I mm-hmm. think bullying never truly ends in our life because there are always going to be people, maybe in workplaces, um, who will choose to single you out or, you know, give you the cold shoulder. I oftentimes talk about nonverbal bullying, you know, making someone feel unwelcomed. So um, I think that there's always going to be people in our life because life is not perfect. Not everyone's going to be kind to you. Um, but it, it was it was really bad a few years. It was in um, my dance studio, but also that dance studio itself was um, – sometimes a very toxic environment. I remember I started with 40 girls in my class when I was in middle school. But by the time we hit senior year in high school, there was only seven of us. So it was just, it was not just the um, bullying with me, but a lot of the girls picked on each other um, because of just the power struggle, the hierarchy. They wanted to be in the front row. So yeah. Well, at 12 years old, you have a heart block and you get a pacemaker. What caused that or was it a genetic defect? I'd love to understand like how that happened and, and I guess how you dealt with it because it's a pretty incredible uh, thing to overcome. Yeah, well, thank you for saying that. Yeah, it was um, a genetical defect. I was actually born with a heart block, but I went undiagnosed for 12 years and it was like an absolute miracle that I had, you know, lived 12 years with such a weak heart. And I went for a normal physical checkup at 12 years old. Um, the doctor felt my pulse and was completely shocked. And he put me on a heart monitor for 24 hours. At times when I would be sleeping, my heart would not beat for five seconds. And it got at a point it would the lowest, like my heart would at 20 beats per minute at times. So it was a shock and a miracle that I was alive. Um, and a few weeks after that initial checkup, I went through heart surgery, got a pacemaker. I was told by my cardiologist I could not dance again. I was taken out of um, contact sports. And I also had a cast on my left arm to just, you know, for my body to recover from that huge shock my body went through. Um, so it was it was really scary. It was sad. It was um, devastating to think that, wow, I could never dance again. And that I always wanted to dance. I knew that in Miss World, talent was a part of that competition. So I slowly and surely went back to dance. I did it in a very healthy way. I put myself in extra classes so I could regain my strength. I took private lessons. And in a few years, I was able to re- really build up that strength again. And then later on, I auditioned for Joffrey Ballet and got accepted to such a prestigious ballet school. So, yeah, I always take this story and remind people that do not let your circumstances define you. Let your responses define you because we're all are going to be faced with obstacles in our life, but you cannot let that define you. Well, dance obviously is a big part of your background and something that you, you 
apparently love. Um, where did that start because of Miss World? Because you had mentioned that, you know, watching it growing up, you knew that it was going to be part of the talent competition. Was that your inspiration to say, I want to dance? It was, it was, but I, um, as a kid, I, I, I think I didn't really fully understand that. I knew I, I wanted to do it, but I think after I, my mom put me in dance when I was a little girl, I just fell in love with the art of dance and I did so many different dance styles. So I think what kept me going was my love and my passion, but it was also a, a cool extra that I get to use it up, use it as a part of my talent for Miss World. Now, for those of who don't know what the Joffrey Ballet is, I know it's a world famous uh, dance academy. Um, talk a little bit about it and why uh, you decided to uh, go for it and how you got it. Absolutely. So Joffrey Ballet is a really prestigious ballet school. Um, it's located in a few locations in the U.S. I got accepted to the one in New York. And my um, dance academy that I grew up in in high school and middle school was really focused on ballet training and ballet on point. So we were on point every day, five times a week. Um, so because of the training I received, I was just a pre- almost a pre-professional ballerina by the time I hit um, senior year of high school and it just kind of fell into place that I wanted to utilize all that training that I had been doing with ballet and go to this prestigious school um, and a lot of my other senior dancers had done that so I was inspired by them to do it and uh, it was it was an incredible experience. So it sounds like a lot of this stuff you know from childhood has all been kind of a a grand plan to really compete at Miss World in which, you know, right now you're Miss World America Washington. So you're, you're obviously a couple of steps away from it here. I mean, did you have kind of a designed blueprint of like, I'm going to go after this and here's how I'm going to do it? I don't think I had that side of a blueprint because um, like middle of my college career, I kind of was convinced and fell into doing Miss India USA and then that pageant also took me to Miss India Worldwide, where I competed with 40 different countries where a girl of Indian origin came from like Guyana, South Africa, Malaysia, UK, Australia. So I never thought I would do that pageant system. Um, I, I always knew Miss World would be my end goal, but um, life gave me different opportunities throughout that route and I know a lot of pageant girls have experienced that like Sarah Rose Summer was a NAM girl before she went to be Miss USA some girls have done IGM collegiate or the Miss America system before they did Miss USA but I always knew Miss World was my pageant they're huge they have a huge emphasis on beauty with a purpose they have raised 1.3 billion dollars for different charities um, so that was a that's really close to my heart is being of service and being a speaker through the power of pageantry, um, and Miss World really echoed that. Um, but I'm I'm glad I got those pageant experiences in in college when I got crowned a national and world title, because that really propelled me to become an even stronger candidate for Miss World America and hopefully Miss World. Why is it that Miss World was the one that you really keyed in on? Was that the first one you ever saw, or did you know somebody competing? It was the first one I saw. So since I am um, of you know Indian origin, like pageantry is huge in India um, and other parts of the world, like much bigger. There's so much bigger fan base. 
Um, but I did see Ashwarya Rai growing up, Priyanka Chopra growing up. And these are two Miss World winners who really made it big in Bollywood. So I, I saw them growing up, but I also loved seeing the videos that each contestant made on their beauty with a purpose. Miss World really has their contestants go in depth with their platforms. They have them write essays, they have them make videos, um, and they have really like in-depth interviews on their beauty with a purpose. And then the winner, Miss World, gets to go to these different countries and focus on that particular beauty with a purpose. So that really inspired me watching those videos. And I remember I would tear up watching Miss World every single year because of how inspired I was that if, you know, people really seek their potential and realize that, oh, wow, it is my social responsibility to give back. And yes, that I, I, I can give back on a such bigger scale if I just focus on giving and taking action and partnering with a, um, a charity and nonprofit. So that really propelled me at a young age to start my nonprofit and start donating money and raising awareness for heart health, emotional health, because I saw these young girls making such an incredible impact by the time they got to Miss World. So um, the whole charity thing really um, inspired me for Miss World. Now, you are a spokeswoman for the American Heart Association, obviously, because, uh, you know, of what you've gone through with your heart block and having a pacemaker. Uh, one of the other things that I found super interesting, and it's all part of your adversity story, is, you know, just a few years ago, you were in a, a almost fatal car accident. Um, you suffered facial burns. I know you sent me some pictures of those things, and I'm, I'm just blown away by how you've been able to overcome all this. So in saying that, the charitable work plus, you know, your speaking career seems to all kind of really fall in line with everything you're doing with pageantry. Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, and my dream for, you know, charity work and for Miss World really helped me rise up from that adversity and that accident. So a few years ago, I was in a car accident. My car slid on ice. It rolled over several times and went into a ditch. And I came out of that accident with bleeding wounds all over my face. And I was shocked. Like, you could not recognize me. I've never released these pictures publicly, but they will be in my video for um, Miss World America Beauty with the Purpose Project. Uh, but my face was so blown up, you could not see my ears. It was, it was like so much damage that happened. Like, no one could recognize who I was. Um, and I was instructed that I should um, spend a year home recovering. But I, I did want this accident to define my one year. I wanted to graduate on time. I still wanted to pursue pageantry. So I found solutions where I could recover at a faster rate. I talked to my professors, asked them to be seated next to um, like the door in our lecture hall so I can go to the restroom and wash my face because I had to wash my face every few hours of blood and extra skin. Um, and I had like this medical kit, this small little cooler that I would take with me on campus so I could just recover from this accident as fa soon as possible. Um, I also bought a big sun hat and a face mask um, so I could overcome this adversity um, and still continue to pursue my goals. And I think because I, I, I know how lucky and grateful I am because I, I did witness and see poverty at such a young age. And um, through watching Miss World, I you know, recognize that, wow, we are lucky 
to have the basic necessities in life like food, shelter, water, we should always remind ourselves of how blessed we are, how grateful we are, and focus on the good. So even when I was going through this accident, I reminded myself, you know what, I still have a heartbeat. I still have, my body is still functioning. Like anything could have happened in that accident. I could have gotten a concussion. I could have been half paralyzed. So I just, I just focused on what I had and what I needed to do um, to overcome this horrible accident. So I think I, having that worldly view and having a grateful heart really helped me. So in addition to, you know, how it kind of falls into the line of pageantry, I mean, it seems like you've really kind of turned it into a career. I mean, you're giving empowerment talks in, what, what do we say, 80 cities, 15 states, six countries. I also read that you've written about 400 articles in newspapers uh, on the topic of emotional fitness. Um, tell everybody what you speak about and what you write about. Absolutely. So I speak to all age groups. I have gotten the chance to go to Guyana, South Africa, Malaysia, Canada, some of the countries I went to. And I really focus on the power of positive thinking, also having increased and intentional empathy for others, not letting any unkind treatment make you give unkind responses. I talk about choosing kindness 100% of the time. I talk about rising up quickly from adversity, not dwelling down too much. It's okay to digest what happened. It's okay to cry, but I want people to have such a grateful heart and to have such a solution-oriented mindset that they rise up quicker. They build a resilience And then I also, in particular, talk about heart health because heart disease is sadly the number one killer for men and women globally. One in three people die from heart defect. And heart disease sadly takes more life than all forms of cancers combined. So I talk about healthy living, um, finding a plan for yourself, whatever it may be, to be physically active, to eat healthy, and to check their blood pressure, like doing these three things could prevent 80% of deaths that take place because of heart disease. I talk about prevention methods, and I really inspire people to take action. Like, knowledge is great, but I, in my speeches, I inspire people to take action and hold themselves accountable. Like, what one good thing have I done this week to better my health, to better my emotional well-being, and to better my community. I, I I'll also emphasize on um, civic engagement and social responsibility. So depending on where I'm invited to, what the um, event is celebrating, I take these points and put them somewhere in space and inspire people to take action. Now, I know you're an undergraduate student, I believe, at the University of Washington. Is that right? I just graduated last spring. Um, oh, so right now, Thank you. Um, right now, I'm in Washington managing um, businesses in Washington State while being Miss World Washington and making uh, tons of appearances around Washington and um, around the U.S. So I guess with, with all that you're doing, pageantry included, what's really the ultimate goal for you? What would you like to be doing for the, you know, I guess the remainder of your career? Oh, my goodness. Uh, my ultimate goal is to continue to use my voice to make the biggest impact I can in our world. Um, it could be through 
acting and films and creating powerful movies on good social messages. I could definitely see myself going into politics and using the power of policy making, using the talents that God has given me and also developing those talents to make the biggest difference. Um, but I do love acting and I do love making a difference. So finding a way where I can do that. All right. Well, I appreciate you sharing all this. This is wonderful. And I just, again, I love what you're doing. And I'm just uh, inspired by all that you've overcome just to be where you're at. So congratulations. My goodness. Well, congratulations to you, best MC in the world oh, and well, three-time so Emmy award winner. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, before we wrap up here, I do have 10 uh, get-to-know-you questions. Do you want to do those real quick? Absolutely. All right. Here we go. 10 of them real quick. Um, these are just totally off the wall just for fun. Okay. Okay. All right, number one, what is your favorite word to say? Empathy. Number two, texting or talking? Talking. Number three, what's your favorite day of the week? The day I do the most for my dreams. There you go. That's a good one. Number four, favorite city in the U.S. besides the one that you live in? L.A. Number five. Did your parents ever have a nickname for you? Yes, they called me Chudia, which is the Hindi word for bird, because they thought I would be nonstop as a kid and I would be from one place to another. So, birding, I guess the English translation. Okay, very <laughs> good. Uh, number six, what's the last song you listened to? I love listening to remixes, so I listened to a remix. Um, best of 2019 remix. Okay, good. Number seven, uh, would you rather be able to speak every language in the world or talk to animals? Be able to speak every language in the world. Number eight, what's your favorite holiday? Um, I think Christmas. Christmas just, I, I love Christmas. Um, people are in happy spirits, are thinking about giving and spending time with family, and family should always be a priority year-round, but I think Christmas emphasizes that. Christmas it is. Number nine, how long does it take you to get ready? I would probably say like an hour, but in the morning, um, like if I just do my makeup for like if I'm going out to manage these businesses, I would probably just say like 15 minutes. Okay. Number 10, Post-shower. Cold <laughs> Number 10, scale of 1 to 10, how good of a driver are you? I would probably say 8. Yeah. Okay, that's good. Hey, it's better than 4, right? Absolutely. Okay. Well, hey, I really appreciate your time today. This has been fun, and I've enjoyed the conversation. And uh, I do, as always, appreciate you reaching out to me. You know, the people that, that find me and listen to the podcast and then reach out, I'm always appreciative of that. Oh, we are so lucky to have you. Thank you again for bringing all of us together and uh, allowing us to share our stories. And I'm so inspired by your podcast. And I know thousands of people are around the world. We are so grateful for you and everything you are doing. So I am, I'm just honored. You are awesome. Well, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to today's episode, everybody, and to Shri Saini for her time. If you want to follow Shri's journey, follow her on Instagram at Shri Saini or go to her website, shrisaini.org. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you wouldn't mind, please subscribe. You can do so on Spotify, iTunes, the podcast app, Google Play, and YouTube, or you can just go to lifeafterthecrown.com. 
And for weekly podcast updates, just follow me on Instagram at Tim Tialdo. Until next time, remember the words of Hebrews 13, verses 5 and 6. Don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be relaxed with what you have. Since God assured us, I'll never let you down, never walk off and leave you. We can boldly quote, God is there, ready to help. I'm fearless no matter what, who or what can get to me. Talk to you next week, everybody.